Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Now our Gus came through. It's the only guitar he has. It's a Les Paul and knocked it off the stand and broke it. Broke the neck. He was bummed. They were all bummed. I was bummed. Um, but as, as we begin to talk about that, uh, last night and again this morning, I just want to announce this. Next week, we're going to take up a special offering. We're going to put a guitar case out. And if you would, uh, I didn't want to do it this morning because I want you to have opportunity to look at the silent auction stuff. But if you would, I want you to come prepared next week, and we're going to try to get him uh, either uh, help in fixing that or maybe we'll get enough to buy one. I don't know. But uh, he didn't ask us to do that. I just felt like impressed that we need to do that. So if you'd help me do that next week. Well, last week we started a, a new series, and um, if you weren't here, it's called Like a Girl. Uh, and last week I challenged you, the first challenge of the series was to learn to fight like a girl. Now, you will remember that I wasn't talking about the, the arms flailing in the air, no contact kind of girl fight. I'm talking about the type of girl fight that I... Uh, alluded to where you fight with prophetic insight and timing and then I, at the end I encouraged you to add God back to the equation of your life because in order to fight like a girl you have to count like a girl and if you don't know what we're talking about you can go back and watch last week's message and so I hope you've been fighting like a girl all week. I, this morning's message was originally going to be throw like a girl but then after yesterday's family fun night and sitting on that dunk tank I discovered that you already have that one handled so I'm going to switch this morning. I had to stay up to Late in the evening hours, I'm playing, I'm playing. We're going to do, we're going to uh, talk this week. <laughs> the challenge I want to make this week is, uh, is a little more logically understandable for most of us. Uh, the, uh, the concept of fighting like a girl, for some of us, that's a, a, a little bit of a leap or challenge to understand logically because we don't always see women as fighters, although if you were here last week, we discovered that women know how to fight. Um, and all you got to do is pick on one of their kids, and you understand they know how to fight. Well, this week I want to look at it a little different and talk to you about this. I want to challenge you to learn to pray like a girl. Now, what's going to happen, some of you, is you're going to check out right now if you're not careful because most of us, all of our lives have been in church, and we know that typically in most churches around America, if there's anybody that knows how to pray in the church, it's the women. In fact, what we discover is that most prayer meetings, at least the ones I've ever been a part of, are almost always occupied mainly by women. And so, men, maybe this challenge is just to us. Maybe we need to learn to pray like a girl. And so I want us to look at this, and I want to challenge you in this this morning that we need to learn how to pray like a girl. Our text this morning is 1 Samuel chapter 1, 1 through 19. I want us to uh, look at this and learn some lessons from this. Now, again, like I told you last week, I don't know why God does this to me, but he always brings me to passages that have impossible names. And so if I mispronounce it, don't stone me. I want to hear you try to announce it and we'll pronounce it and we'll see if it's any better. But it goes like this. There once was a man who lived in Ramathaim. He was descended from the old Zoo family in the Ephraim Hills. His name was Elkanah. He was connected with the Zeus from Ephraim through his father Jer uh, Jeroham. His grandfather, Elihu, and his great-grandfather, Tohu. He had two wives. The first was Hannah. The second was Penaniah. Peninnah had children. Hannah did, Hannah did not. 
Every year this man went out from his hometown up to Shiloh to worship and offer a sacrifice to God of the angel armies. Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, served as the priests of God there. And when Elkanah had sacrificed, he passed out helpings from the sacrificial mill around to his wife Penaniah and her, all of her children. But he always gave an especially generous helping to Hannah because he loved her so much and because God had not given her children. But her rival wife taunted her cruelly, rubbing it in and never letting her forget that God had not given her children. This went on year after year. Every time she went to the sanctuary of God, she could expect to be taunted. Hannah was reduced to tears and had no appetite. Her husband, Elkanah, said, Oh, Hannah, why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? And why are you so upset? Am I not worth to you more, am I not more worth to you than ten sons? And so Hannah ate, and then she pulled herself together, and she slipped away quietly, and she entered the sanctuary. And the priest Eli was on duty at the entrance to God's temple in the customary seat. Crushed in soul, Hannah prayed to God and cried inconsolably. Then she made a vow. O God of the angel armies, if you'll take a good hard look at my pain, if you'll quit neglecting me and go into action for me by giving me a son, I'll give him completely unreservedly to you. I'll set him apart for a life of holy discipline. It so happened that as she continued in prayer before God, Eli was watching her closely. Hannah was praying in her heart silently. Her lips moved, but no sound was heard. Eli jumped to the conclusion that she was drunk, and he approached her and said, You're drunk. How long do you plan to keep this up? Sober up, woman. And Hannah said, Oh, no, sir, please. I'm a, wa a woman hard used. I haven't been drinking, not a drop of wine or beer. The only thing I've been pouring out is my heart, pouring it out to God. Don't for a minute think I'm a bad woman. It's because I'm so desperately unhappy and in such pain that I've stayed here so long. And Eli answered her, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel give you what you have asked of him. Think well of me and pray for me, she said, and she went her way. Then she ate heartily, her face radiant. Up before dawn, they worshipped God and returned home to Ramah. Elkanah slept with Hannah, his wife, and God, listen to this phrase, and God began making the necessary arrangements in response to what she had asked. I like that phrase. That's, we'll get there in here in a minute. Y'all don't get ahead of me now. That's, that's way down on in this, but we're going to get there. Notice, if you will, that we need to learn how to pray like a girl. Some girl lessons I want us to learn. The first one is this. Girl, this girl prayed about what irritated her. I want you to notice that Hannah was extremely irritated. And I want you to notice that what irritated her drove her to her knees. She didn't uh, retaliate. She didn't gossip. She didn't quit. Notice, if you will, that this wasn't a one-time occurrence, but this happened year after year. This wasn't a one-time thing. It was a constant thing. Every time, every year, same time of the year, she was irritated. I also want you to notice that I, I just kind of had to throw this in here, that her rival provoked her at church. Now, now I don't think that's going to ever happen here uh, but but have you ever been in a situation where church folks uh, irritate you? Don't raise your hand. 
Uh, don't don't throw any elbows right now. Have you ever been in an, in a congregation setting where there was a church member, somebody that professed to love Christ, that professed to be sold out to God, that they irritated you mightily? That was the situation that Hannah was in. And church folks got under her skin. But I want you to notice some things. She didn't change pews. She didn't quit worshiping. She didn't quit praying. She didn't not go into the sanctuary, even though there were church folks there that irritated her. Hannah's response was that if something irritates me, then what I must do is I must pray. My question for you this morning is, what irritates you? Let me get down into your life a little bit and ask it one different way. Who irritates you? What person gets under your skin? Look around the room. Maybe your panaya is, is, in, is in here. Maybe that person that, that just rubs you wrong is in this room, or maybe they live in your neighborhood, or maybe they work on your job. My question is, what or who irritates you? And so then my question becomes, what have you done about them? Have you complained about them? Have you talked bad about them? Have you gossiped about them? Have you pointed fingers at them? Or have you learned to pray like a girl and allow that irritation to drive you to your knees and take that person or that thing to the throne room and say, God, they're bothering me. That's how we learn to pray like a girl. I, I, I wonder if perhaps maybe we've forgotten that prayer actually changes things. Maybe we've underestimated, maybe we've heard about prayer so often that we've come to this place in our own walk, in our own life, that we have forgotten that praying to God is much more effective than talking to our neighbor. Maybe we've forgotten that going to the throne with what irritates us gets us more results than telling everybody else and calling the, quote, prayer line. Maybe we've forgotten that there is a God on the throne and He's concerned about what we're concerned about. And if we would take our irritations to Him, it might just change what irritates us. Maybe we've forgotten that. The second thing I want us to learn about praying like a girl is this, that this girl prayed persistently. She went up and she prayed year after year. She was persistent in her petition. She constantly was reminding God about what the issue in her life was all about. It kind of reminds me of the parable told in the New Testament that Jesus told in Luke chapter 18, verse 1 through 8. It says this, he, he's teaching us to pray like a girl. He says, Jesus told them a story showing that it was necessary for them to pray consistently and to never quit. He said, there once was a judge in some city who never gave God a thought and cared nothing for people. A widow in that city kept after him. My rights are being violated. Protect me. He never gave her the time of day. But after this went on and on, he said to himself, I care nothing what God thinks and even less what people think. But because this widow won't quit badgering me, I better do something and see that she gets justice. Otherwise, I'm going to end up beaten black and blue by her pounding. Then the master said, listen to this. This is Jesus talking. He says, do you hear what that judge, corrupt as he is, is saying? So what makes you think God won't step in and work justice for his chosen people who continue to cry out for help? Won't he stick up for them? I assure you he will. He will not drag his feet. But how much of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find on the earth when he returns? Persistent 
praying. My prayer this, my, my question to you about your prayer life this morning is, what have you been praying persistently about? What is it? What is that one thing we we joined in one prayer a couple months ago and took part in that? I, I just want to challenge you again. What is your one prayer that you constantly take back to God over and over and over and over again? We must learn to pray like a girl and understand that we cannot quit after one prayer. We got to go back. It isn't that God forgets what we ask. It's not that that. We have to badger him into doing what we want him to do. How many of you know you can't, you can't twist God's arm? <laughs> His arm's bigger than our arm. He'll win every time. That's not what he's teaching us. He's teaching us that if we learn to pray persistently, what it does is it reveals our commitment. And think about this. It actually reveals our faith. How? How does going back to God about the same thing over and over and over again reveal our faith? Because when we go back to God over and over again, what we are saying is that, God, we have so much faith in your ability to work on our behalf that we are going to bring our petition to you over and over again because we believe you have the power to do something about it. If we didn't believe that, we would go somewhere else for the answer. Do you understand what I'm saying? If if we're in a work setting and I have an issue or a problem and I, you're my supervisor and I go to you the first time and I say, I need some help in this particular situation, and you say no or you don't respond, and I suddenly come to the conclusion that you don't even have the ability to meet my need, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go over your head. Come on now, don't look at me like that. You've done that before. You go over or around them to the person that has the ability. And what we say to God when we go back and say, save my son, save my son, save my son, save my son. Or maybe your prayer is this one. Give me provision. I need provision. Help me with my bills. Help. Or maybe this one, I need healing, God. I need healing, God. He doesn't get tired of us asking him for those things over and over again. It reveals our heart and says, you know what, God? I've come to this conclusion. I can't go over your head. There's nobody else that has the ability and the power and the might and the provision that you have. And so my faith is revealed by how often I go back to him over and over again. What's your one prayer? What's the one thing you go back for time and time again? I encourage you to pray like a girl. Pray persistently. The third lesson is this, and this is where I really want to catch your attention. If we're going to pray like a girl, we got to pray painfully. That's a different concept, isn't it? That prayer might be painful. Because Hannah's prayer is described like this. She wept much. Then in another phrase, she prayed with bitterness of soul, deeply troubled. She poured out her soul with great anguish and grief. She wasn't praying for fun. She was praying painfully. I came to tell you this morning that every time you pray, it costs you something. Every time you go before God, effective prayer cost Hannah something. What has your prayer cost you lately? Let that question sink in. What has your prayer cost you lately? We must learn to pray painfully. But I also want you to understand this morning that your prayer may be painful in the beginning, but I want you to catch this morning, it not only hurts during the prayer, but there are times that the answer to your prayer is painful. 
We need to learn that lesson because if we're going to learn to pray painfully, yes, it may cost us during the prayer, but we must also be prepared to pay the price after the prayer. You do recognize that Hannah prayed a painful prayer, right? But do you also understand and recognize this morning that the answer to her prayer was painful? Because she gave her son back to God. You think that was easy? She's prayed all these years for a little boy, and she's blessed with a little boy, and she gives him away. That's a painful prayer on the front end and the back end. I want to tell you this morning that too many of us pay the, pray the price during prayer, but then we balk at the cost that the answer requires. I had this thought, don't you hate it when the remedy is more painful than the injury? I hate that. I, I remember uh, my oldest son was riding a bicycle about th uh, two or three years ago, and he fell off in the driveway, and he gashed his elbow open. We could see the bones. So he was crying, and he was hurting, and we put a piece of uh, cloth on it to catch the blood, and we took him to the emergency room. And the injury was bad, but the remedy was worse. Because I had to sit there and watch him, and they took a needle, and they shot him about 16 or 17 times right in that little cut to numb it up. I was like, are you crazy? Do you know how bad that hurts? But the truth was, he was better off afterwards. And I wonder how many of us are willing to pay the price at the beginning, but when God offers us a remedy, it's so much more painful than the injury that we refuse to walk into it. Can I give you some examples? For instance, how many of us have prayed, God, I need a new job. And God answers. And he gives us an opportunity for a new job. The only problem is it's painful because it means we start over on the corporate ladder. It, it's not the same comfort zone, and we have to learn new things that we'd never learned before, and it's uncomfortable. Maybe it's a pay reduction, and we go, God, you don't understand. I prayed for a new a job, and, and now I can't stand the pain of it. Prayer hurts on the back end sometimes, too. And we pray for things like this. God, I want revival. I don't know how many times I've heard people pray, I want revival, God, I want revival. And yet, the answer to that prayer comes in being willing to give up certain things. Comes up, it comes in the form of maybe having to come to church more than we normally do or spend more time in God's presence than we normally do or miss our favorite television show on prayer night. Then, and we don't like that and it's too painful and we go, oh God, I want revival but not at that cost. Or maybe it's like this. Maybe we pray about a certain relationship in our life. And the answer comes that what we've got to do is we've got to go say, I'm sorry. And we've got to go make restitution. And that is so painful that we pay the price in the first part of our prayer, but we don't go pay the price at the back end of the prayer, and our prayer is never answered. If we are going to pray like a girl, we must be willing to deal with a painful answer. Jesus prayed like a girl. Think about the garden scene. God, if it's your will, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. He paid, prayed so painfully that the Bible says that his sweat became like great drops of blood. That's a painful prayer. But he also understood that there's a painful answer. And so he dealt with that in that prayer because he comes to this conclusion. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will.
even if it means that the answer is painful, even if it means the remedy is painful, I will pray like a girl and deal with the painful element of prayer. And I'll hurt on the front end and I'll hurt on the back end if I have to. As long as my prayer is answered, that's the only way you can pray like a girl. The fourth thing, I'm not going to say much about it. The fourth lesson is this. The girl prayed from her heart. I want you to notice that it was the heart prayer that got the answer. It wasn't the eloquent, loud, flashy, all-inspiring prayer. Have you ever heard those? Oh, God, our heavenly Father who sits on the throne of grace and mighty power and lightning bolts flash all around you and we, we be, bequest of you. Come on. It wasn't that prayer. It was the, this girl is nuts or maybe drunk prayer that got the answer. I wrote one statement, one question that I want to grip your heart this morning, and that is this. I wonder how many of us have a lot of words actually coming out of our mouth and very little coming out of our heart. If we're going to pray like a girl, we got to pray from our heart. The last thing I would say to you is that to pray like a girl, you've got to understand that this girl grabbed a word and a word grabbed her. When Hannah goes in and begins to pray, Eli is sitting in his customary place and the Bible says that when he saw her praying that Hannah explained what was going on and Eli gave her a word. A simple little word, go, and, and my prayer is that as you go, God will give you what you've asked for. You've got to understand that he was the high priest, and instantly Hannah equated his word with God's word. And I want you to notice what takes place. She grabbed onto a word, and a word grabbed her because now the Bible says that Hannah, just receiving the word from the priest, Hannah is no longer downcast. She immediately went home, and the Bible says she ate heartily, and her face became radiant. Then she got up... To, she got up and worshiped. You do recognize that she held on to that word for a little while because she didn't get pregnant instantly. I mean, it is a nine-month process, right? Or in Angie's case, it's like nine months and four days or something like that. Lord, help us, right? Help me. Help me, Lord. I need some relief, right? It takes some time. She held on to the word. She wouldn't let the word go. She had to go through. She allowed that word to grab her. I want to encourage some of you this morning that some of you need to grab hold of a word. You need a word. You need to hear a promise from our Father that will sustain you. You need to pray until you get a word that will rearrange your world and meet your needs. But I also want you to notice that the word grabbed her because, see, I believe that some of us, need to go back and remember words. We need to go back and remember the promises and the prophecies and the insight that God has given into our lives. Maybe at some point you were in your bedroom and you were reading your Bible all alone and a word jumped off the page. And I want to encourage you to allow that word to grab you again. Some of us have forgotten what God has said about us. We need to allow that word to grab us again 
Some of us have had a word, but we've allowed what we see with our natural eyes to blind us with what we, from what we saw with our spiritual eyes. And some of us have had a word in our past that we have, had, have allowed our natural ears to deafen what our spiritual ears had heard, and we've lost that word. We need to go back and grab that word and allow that word to grab back a hold of us and believe what's been promised. It may be nine months before it comes to pass or before we see the fruit, but don't give up two weeks in. For some of us, we got words 10 years ago, and we're eight years in, and we're about to give up on the word. And I want to say to you that God's word is sure. The Bible declares that his word never falls to the ground. It never returns void. That his word creates, and it calls into existence that his word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And if we would just hold on to his word, it would sustain us. we got to believe what's been promised. I want you to notice one other thing that's very important. The word that she grabbed and that, that word that grabbed her changed her appetite. It changed her outlook and it changed her countenance. I want to say something to you this morning. If you've got a word, if you've ever received a word in your life or if you're getting a word this morning as I'm talking, let me just declare to you that it ought to change your appetites and it ought to change your outlook on life and it should change your countenance. In fact, what I would say to some of you is that we can't tell that some of you have ever had a word because your appetites haven't changed. And we can't tell that some of you have ever received a word because your outlook on life has never changed. And we can't tell that some of you have gotten a word from God because your face has never changed. And I am saying to you that if you've got a word in your life, it ought to change you. It ought to change everything about you. In fact, if you've got a word to live on, can I encourage you? And notify your face. Come on, poke your neighbor and say, you need a facelift. Get a word. Come on, tell them. Tell them. You need a word. So my challenge to you this morning is we've got to learn to pray like a girl. Have you gotten a word lately? Have you grabbed on a, onto and held onto a word? Has a word grabbed you that has adjusted everything about you that you're willing to live on the rest of your life? You do know that the Bible declares that His word is a lamp unto our feet. It is our direction. It teaches us how to walk. You do understand that we live on every word that is preceding out of the mouth of God that's coming out of God is always speaking. You do know that it is His word that sustains us and nourishes us and guides us and leads us. It's His word that we live in. We don't live on a shout. We don't live on a dance. We don't live on a jump. We don't even live on a song. We live on the Word of God. And if you have not allowed a word to grab you or you haven't grabbed onto a word, you will struggle the rest of your life. No word, no life. You have no word, you will shrivel up and die. Learn to pray like a girl. Pray about what irritates you. Come on, poke your neighbor and say, I'm not going to talk to you anymore about what irritates me. Come on, tell them. Because now what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to the one that can do something about it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray like a girl. I'm going to pray about what irritates me. I'm going to pray persistently. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to pray painfully. Even if that means the answer is painful. I'm going to pray from my heart not just my mouth. And I am going to grab onto the word that God has spoken over my life and I'm not going to let go of it and it's going to change how I think and how I eat 
and what I desire and how I look. And when I've accomplished those five things, I've learned to pray like a girl. There are some men in the room that need to learn to pray like a girl. There are some girls, women in the room that need to go back and learn how to pray like a girl. I want you to stand with me this morning. I told you we'd get back to this phrase. As we go to prayer this morning, we're going to do two things. I'm going to ask some of our prayer partners here in just a moment to join me down front. We're going to do this really different this morning, and and I know you guys are good with that, but it's going to be a little bit different. I love this phrase. After she gets this word, the writer says this, and God began making the necessary arrangements in response to what she had asked. The reason I love that this morning is because what I believe is getting ready to take place as we begin to pray. We're going to pray here in just a moment, and I'm going to ask you to pray about what irritates you. Some of you need to go back and pray over something that you prayed before, and you've gotten tired of praying about it, but God wants you to pray persistently. Some of you just need to get a word this morning. And I'm going to ask our prayer partners to hear, come in just a moment and they're just going to stand here and I'm going to dismiss everybody else that wants to and I'm going to give you some time. I finished early this morning on purpose because I want you to have plenty of time to join our prayer partners and pray. But when you pray, listen to me very carefully. Don't miss this. When you pray, this is how I want you to pray. In your mind, I don't know, we all do this differently, but in your mind's eye, as you pray, man, this will change your prayer life right here. As you pray, I want you to begin to see God getting up in heaven and begin to look around and hustle around and move things and shift things over and go, man, i got to make arrangements to prepare for what they've asked me to do. I, I need in your mind. I don't want you to see God on his throne, although that is a powerful thing to see. I want you to see him get up off his throne and begin to push things around and say, mm, i got to find that supply they asked me for. Where's that kid they've been praying about? Where's he at? Where, where's that provision they've been at? Where, hey, there's healing over here, but i got to get to it. And begin to make arrangements for your answer. What a powerful concept that at the moment that we pray a painful prayer and pray out of the depths of our heart and pray over the word that God, is, that God gets up off his throne and begins to make arrangements for me. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you would teach us to pray like a girl. That we would pray and that it would change us. That it would elevate our countenance. That it would change our appetites. That it would change our outlook. God, give us a word that we can live on. A word that grabs us. That we can hold on to. God, we we declare this morning that we will pray painfully. Not just the prayer part, but the answer part. If you say, give us an answer. If you begin to make arrangements for us and those arrangements are going to cause us to to stop and hesitate. God, we declare even before we go in that we will pray painfully. We will submit to you. Teach us to pray like a girl. In Jesus' name, amen. I want my prayer partners to come quickly. We've got several here this morning that serve on our prayer and prophetic team. I want you just to come and stand here. This is what we're going to do this morning. 
as we conclude our service. As you leave the building today, there is a drive card at the comm center. Please get that. that will help you discuss what we've talked about this morning. But if you need a prayer answer, you need a prayer partner, somebody to believe with you, somebody that is willing to pray and to agree. That's You know, the Bible says that there is that there's power in agreement, and that we can touch and agree. And, and I'm believing this is going to happen this morning as you join somebody in prayer. If you've got a situation in your life, maybe you'd say, Steve, uh, I've been praying, and I don't see any results, and I want my countenance to change, and I want to understand that God is making arrangements for me. Maybe your prayer is a prayer of persistence. Maybe you've come down to altars a dozen times before, and you don't see any change. Pray persistently this morning. Or maybe you need a word, or maybe you've had a word, and you've let that word die. And this is your opportunity this morning. I'm going to pray over you and dismiss you, but those of you that need prayer, our prayer partners are up here, and we'll get more if we need them. Notice it's all girls. What's up with that? Come on, man. Where you at? Right? And if you need extra prayer this morning, rather than sending you into a lobby, we're going to do it here this morning. Father, I bless my people this morning. I pray that in the name of Jesus, you teach us the power of prayer. I pray that we would never underestimate how powerful prayer is. But God, I pray that we would come to that place your son came to in the garden and we would say, nevertheless, whatever your will is, God, I'm good with that. Because if you want that to take place in my life, then you'll empower me and you'll give me the provision and the strength to walk out what you're calling me into. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Challenge us this week with your word. I pray that throughout the course of this week, we would pray like girls. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.